White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 Call your sons! Call your daughters! Holy cow! Carlton Fred has put the White Sox ahead! On socks, socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Sandhill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me, here, south side of Chicago. What a fantastic turn of events if you love the Chicago White Sox. And I'm falling in love by the breath. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Socks. I am Herb Lawrence, joined always with Chris Tannehill, who is back at his house. We're doing this remotely again, and today is a special episode because we are going to answer your questions that you have sent to us on LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. So hello again, Chris. Hi, Herb. What's going on? How's your Sunday night going? Sunday night could not be better. We're watching the Bulls lose a big-time lead. Jim Boylan calling a late timeout. Like, nothing's new. And this XFL thing has been great. The only thing bad about today is that the Twins found a way to get Maeda on their team, and so they're that much better. So the only thing is down downing my Sunday night is that because we cooked a delicious meal we're about to eat after this episode goes down. How about yours? Well, that's a real downer because I never in the world would have thought like, oh, we'll do this whole, you know, half an episode talking about the Mookie Betts trade and then the trade doesn't go through. I mean, how many times has that happened in baseball? Like, I was like, oh, do we got to go in there and edit it? Do we got to make an, a, an addendum to that? So it, it, it's either way, it's worked out now. The Twins got their man. They just they didn't give up the man that they initially did, but at the end of the day, it all comes out in the wash, I guess. Bet's still going to the Dodgers, and uh, the Twins still got better. So, I guess, uh, I guess that's that's life, you know, as they say. So, but young, we move on. Jock is still available, though. I did. I saw that. Yeah, which which could uh, work into maybe one of the questions we get in our mailbag today. It's our mailbag edition today, Herbie. Our first. It is our first one. I'm glad we are getting into this because a lot of people have been supporting uh, Locked on Socks from the beginning. One guy in particular I want to give a shout out because his emails that he sent earlier now are kind of dated, but it's Leonard Gore. Uh, he's been listening and supporting Locked on Socks since the beginning, and we probably won't get to your specific question, Leonard, but we know that you've been sending him in. So, Chris, I'll let you do the honors of the first one that you have for Locked on Socks in our mailbag edition. All right, you got it. All right, so the first one comes from our buddy John, uh, John Shank uh, on Twitter. We've met him a few times, uh, actually in our travels, and his question is pertaining to that. He says, guys, what is the best ballpark you guys have visited and why, whether it be for the food or beer or just atmosphere? Thanks. That's John. So, yeah, we met John in Pittsburgh, actually. Exactly, and, and yeah, that's, we bought a round, we bought a round, it was good times, and I, well, I didn't buy a round, I think either you or Brendan bought a round. I don't think I did either. <laughs> so Brendan did, and he bought a round, then 
we sat down. I think you, you had the crabby fries. The, the the, yeah, chicky and, chicky and Pete's crab fries. It's just uh, they're fries with Old Bay uh, sprinkled on them. So that's a win in my book. And then they got a little dipping this, sauce. Yeah, and many other reasons why Pittsburgh is my favorite ballpark. The view is spectacular. The seats are relatively cheap. Uh, we stayed really close to the ballpark right across both times. Like. Um, from the ballpark, uh, let's see. The like the, the hotels, yeah, the hotels in Pittsburgh by PNC. It's a shorter walk than like walking from like the 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 F lot at at, uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field. Like they're it's almost like the, they built hotels in the parking lot of the ballpark. So they're right there, and you can get them for for a pretty good rate, like you said. So as far as uh, travel, and then the bars are all around the area there. You know, it's hard to beat. PNC, you can get an Iron City Light, as our guy Wani uh, likes to suggest, and yeah, PNC, it, it's it's hard to top. But you know, it hasn't moved quite uh, from number one on my list uh, just yet. But I was yes. thinking today, as I'm watching the the snow fall out my window, I was thinking about Petco today, Herbie. God, I love that ballpark. <laughs> um, and as far as beer, because John asked, like you know, if this, if beer and food, you know, if that accounts into your rankings, it certainly does. I'm a big Ballast Point guy. They've got plenty of Ballast Point on tap, as well as a bunch of other craft brews, and they've got pretty much anything you could be in the mood for eating. They have at Petco Park, and you know, I have a family. And they have a great kids area out there in the outfield by the Tony Gwynn statue. So, you know, I think you could flip a coin on most days. And today I probably would have gone with Petco today. But I think most days it's still PNC because I like when the people treat you nicely. Like the older I get, the more I care about stuff like that for some reason. But they have like these... Older people, they're like probably retirees, and they they care about making sure you have a great experience when you're at the ballpark. They know a lot about the team, about the park itself, so it's it's a pretty cool experience. So that's why PNC, Petco, I mean, flip a coin. I'm good for either one. Yeah, and food, beer, and ambiance, people around you, and what's around the stadium all go into my rankings of stadiums. That's why PNC is a clear-cut favorite for me, but like you said, uh, Petco is a fantastic ballpark. LED lights for when you hit home runs, they can just turn them on and off. Uh, pyrotechnics in center field. The, the seats are angled towards home plate. It's a small thing, but some ballparks, ballparks don't do it. Like, like drastically angled towards the home plate area. So you're in first base. You're going to be looking at home plate. You're you're facing that way and the, the downtown atmosphere right there at East Village uh, gas lamp. Second to none. So I love PNC. I love Petco, but I think I fell in love with PNC because it's just so much easier to get to. I've been there multiple times. I've only been to uh, Petco, I think, twice, even though I lived in the city. I think uh, PNC beats it out. And this year, we're going to be going to the one that most people say is the number one, which is Oracle Park. I think it's called now. It used to be called AT&T and Pac Bell Park out there in San Francisco. We're going to see if it lives up to the hype. I'm a guy who, if you hype up something, I'm usually going to poo-poo it. But some things have lived up to the hype. I hope this San Francisco experience on May 8th, I think, through the 10th, 
is going to be great. Yeah, and um, if you have any pointers for uh, for Oracle Park in San Francisco, don't forget to hit us up. And if you got a question for the mailbag, hit us up at lockedonsocks at gmail.com. I want to know because I always see the views from up high. Like PNC's got a great view from up high. And I wonder, I always see the views in uh, in San Francisco from up high. I'm wondering, is it worth it? to just sit in the upper deck for a better overall experience. It's something I was thinking about uh, as we we're kind of booking the trip. So if you have any uh, any Oracle Park pointers, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Herb, you want to grab the next one? Okay, this one is from John uh, at JR underscore KY87. Great podcast, y'all. Just found it a couple weeks ago, but I didn't listen until today because the names of the podcast made me think it was a podcast about that single player. Don't get me wrong. I like those. Well, I like from time to time, but I was looking for more of current Sox talk to get my fix. Maybe I'm alone. Just a suggestion to rename the episodes for the apps. Keep up the good work and go Sox. Understandably. He was a little confused on we name. Well, I named the episodes the beginning after White Sox players. Episode one is episode Lance Johnson, so on and so forth. Appling. Is that something that we do like in our in our industry, at least in the sports radio industry? Like I know like you're a big numbers guy, like relating numbers uh, to players like Sheps like that, Max like that. I wonder, is that a thing in our industry where we we associate the numbers with with jersey numbers? Is that something specific to our industry or just your baseball nerds like all of us? I don't know. I think it may be specific to our industry, but when I was going into naming these things, I was cognizant of people with like John that would maybe be confused about the episode and being of that person. But because initially I was going to go with Lance Johnson episode, then that would say, okay, Lance Johnson is going to be talked about. I'm good on Lance Johnson. I don't need to know about the one dog that much. That's why I named it episode Lance Johnson. So, Oh, what's Oh, one dog. Episode one. Cool. All right. Relatable. I got it. Maybe other people are confused by that and maybe have to clear that up. Not just guys like John. I appreciate him listening and letting us know that himself, he was uh, confused about it. So maybe other people might be confused about that. We'll send out an email or send out a tweet that clears up the confusion if anybody else is worried about that and appreciate your question john and thank you for listening forgive my manners but we didn't address it at the top but speaking of the numbers of the episode this is the uh number 18 episode herbie what do you got for 18 uh terry bevington that's what i think about right 18 was terry bevington right i usually don't think about managers or coaches except you know if you talk about 99 i'll always think of coop obviously but number 18 I, the first name that popped into my head was uh was brent lillibridge the crusher as dj used to call him um <laughs> And then, you know, well, yeah. I, I don't have many Brent Lillipridge memories. Um, so I, I automatically went to Cliff Polite after that. And Cliff Polite uh, is interesting because obviously, you know, in 2005, he had his career year. Um, and that's kind of how it goes if you're going to win a World Series. You have to have a lot of guys like that have career years. That's why it's so incredibly hard uh, to win a World Series. And I think it could be the hardest championship to win in sports. So you look at Cliff Polite who had a great year in 2005, and then by the end of 2006 was out of baseball. So I don't know what that says about Cliff Polite, but it's more like the harsh realities of this game. And like when it falls off the table for you, it happens very fast. I don't know if, if you have the same uh, recollection about Cliff Polite at all. Oh, yeah, he fell off the table. He had that great year. Him and Neil Cosby both had career years, and then they were done. Hey, 
great. Glad you had those career years in 2005. But I know a lot of people listening right now. They've been listening for two, three minutes, and they're yelling at their at their device right now. And they're like, Daniel Polka, what about Daniel Polka? The guys from the 108. I know you beef loafer out there just freaking out about your man Daniel Polka for number 18. We can go Daniel Polka. We can go Gio Soto, Tyler Saladino, Blake Takate. I don't remember this guy. Yeah, I th- yeah. Uh, yeah. Odo Cabrera for one year. Yeah, so yeah, I was I was looking at him too and you know, Orlando Cabrera like the the first thing that pops in my mind when I think of him is 2008 uh divisional series at the ALDS game 1 in Tampa. The Sox could oh, have yes. stolen a game. This was a best of 5 series. Sox could have stolen a game. They got a home run from Dwayne Wise in a playoff game and they still found a way to lose. But Orlando Cabrera squaring up against uh, Grant Balfour late in the game. I think the Sox mm-hmm. were down by three or four runs, but they had the bases loaded. Grant Balfour comes in the game. If you, for you youngsters out there who don't remember Grant Balfour, he was like this ornery uh, Australian, Australian uh, re- relief yeah. pitcher. Yeah, and he would always get, mostly yell at himself after a strikeout or even just entering a game, just you know, always having a conversation with himself. But it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, especially in a game like that where it was – Balfour throws a pitch outside for a ball for pitch one, and then all of a sudden Orlando Cabrera starts you know kicking up uh, dirt on the home plate. I don't know like if he was saying throw me a strike or what he was doing, but then they start jawing at each other and they have a lengthy at bat, and then ultimately Cabrera ends up striking out. But it was kind of like I don't know if you can say is a turning point in a in a baseball playoff series, but it certainly felt like okay if whatever happens at this at bat, like if the Sox can get a big hit here, it'll change the direction of the whole series because. That first game was winnable, but it was just one of the oddest things I've ever seen. And when you guys would have Joe Madden on the show, that was one of the questions I had in Joe's box was, you know, what is your memory from 2008 and Grant Balfour in that situation? Did you ever hear anything about what happened there? I do not. I did not at all. But uh, you know who won that game? Oh, James Shields, right? Or no? Yeah, 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 it wasn't. Well, it was a big game. It was a big game. Damn, Javier Vasquez. (laughs) Gave up the booty in that game. So I think he was staked to a three nothing lead, and then he gave up everything. Yeah, back as was the custom, as was the custom at the time for Javi Vasquez yeah. to, to blow a lead. Yeah, frustrating. We series. had uh, Javi Vasquez, Clayton Richard pitched a third, three and a third, and then we had Old Hotel close it out. So three and two thirds of scoreless bullpen relief. Damn, Vasquez gave up everything. What a bum. I hate him. It's the worst. You will never have a, an episode dedicated to him, I don't think, unless you're just going to shit on him again, which I, I could do. I could listen to a whole episode of you shitting on Javi Vasquez. Oh, the man had like 17 pitches and couldn't throw one correctly. Oh, he was the worst. He needed to just gear down to three pitches. He cost us a lot of games. I'm so pissed at Javi Vasquez. But next question is on you, Chris Tannehill. I want to get off this subject because I'm getting more mad. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Next one I got here is uh, from Mailman Jack. And he, this is a, my th- dude. Yeah. This is a really good question. And it might be too early to, to talk about this one, but we'll, we'll try to work through it. Hi, guys. What do you think the Sox should carry as a 26 roster spot? Backup infielder slash utility guy, a bopper, catcher, speed guy. By the way, keep up the great work. That's Mailman Jack. That's a great question, Mailman Jack. I hadn't even begun thinking about it uh, because the team has, has uh, hasn't started spring training yet, but it's something it's it's a lot more interesting than I thought it was at, at face value. Um, 
because obviously this year the team can add a 26 guy. So there's a lot of options there. So Herb, just you know, before I get into to, to my plan for it, what are your thoughts on the 26 man for the Sox this year? I think you need versatility. You need a guy who can hit off the bench. Uh, and I wouldn't want Zach Collins to be there because I need him to be catching more often than not. So that's AAA. That's trading James McCann. And so he becomes the backup. That's, I don't know, being on some other team, getting a trade uh, for Zach Collins. But for that position, I would like a guy who can hit and Yermin Mercedes is like 26, 27 years old, so development is pretty much over. His uh, time in the minors has been lengthy, and the one thing he can do, he's, his position is catcher, he can't catch that well, he can hit that damn baseball and hard. So a guy like him that can come off the bench and deliver some pop when you need it, maybe come in for Nick Magical and later in the year or – uh, somebody's hurt or somebody's uh, not doing the job. Uh, Noah Mazara is hitting versus a, a let righty very well, and there's a tough lefty up. You take him out and put my man Yerman Mercedes in. So that would be my ideal 26-man currently constituted lineup. If they go and get a reserve second baseman, maybe that guy or Lurie or uh, – Danny Mendick become the 26th man. Yeah, there's a lot of variables here, right? A lot of moving parts. A lot of this is contingent on what they're going to do with Kopech to start the year. I'm just going to work under the assumption that he's going to be in AAA, which I don't know how much sense that makes because there's he's going to be on an innings limit, right? So what's the point of wasting those innings uh, at Charlotte unless they're just going to do one or two starts but I don't want to see him sort of rotting away uh, for for the for a good month of the season so I don't know what they're going to do with Kopech um, you know because early in the year you have lots of lots of you know stops and goes with 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 rain outs and and you know rain delays and long early games and depending on what kind of baseball it is <laughs> that, that they're going to be using this year I, I'm just going to say I'm going with 13 pitchers like I know that's a little Unorthodox. Okay. I don't know if, if everyone would do it that way, but I think with the with the extra guy, I think why not carry um, an extra pitcher, especially with all the the things that come with early season baseball. You don't really know what you're going to get, and especially if you want to, you know, sort of save uh, the you know kind of extend the shelf life of a guy like like Kopech, who's going to be on a limit. But I, I'm going to say that the White Sox should, for their 26th man, should roll out Yasiel Puig. I know you said as, as the roster is currently constituted, but having Yasiel Puig out there, that would be a pretty good uh, platoon situation with him and, and Mazzara. And, you know, Puig actually hits better against lefties. Obviously, a lot more limited plate appearances, but he's got a 357 OBP against lefties. So I think that would be a great platoon situation. Um, but if they don't do that, I agree with you on Zach Collins. I think it would be a waste to have him here every day. I think I'd rather waste him in AAA and have him crush and maybe boost back up that trade value a little bit. And I'd rather mm-hmm. do the Grandal McCann uh, situation there. So. Yeah, twenty six man. There's there's a lot going into this, but you know I like you know having Leori as the infield guy, Adam Engel as the fourth outfielder because of the elite glove, um, and you think maybe he can get a little better with the bat. Although we've seen a ton of them, but you never know. But just for the glove alone, I think he's worth keeping around. But yeah, if they can if they can get Yasiel Puig still out there unsigned, he's you, you know he could be a one or two WAR player this year, and that could be the difference in making a wild card spot or not. So that's who I like. It's a good plan. I mean, I would love Yasiel Puig on the White Sox. I don't know why it hasn't happened as yet. Probably relatively cheap, five to ten million 
for this one year. And that's what I mean. One year, yeah. A that's... drop in the bucket, yeah. A drop in the bucket. A guy that you can make sure that your team is solidified everywhere. So you have a major league uh, batter at every position. The combination of him and Nomar Mazzaro would make a nice, great a major league batter. And I like Yasiel Puig's defense out there. He's not uh, the worst. He's not the best. But that arm, it plays. Yeah, I would go. I would ask Grandal. Forget about what Jose Abreu thinks about him because you heard a lot of speculation about that early. It's like, oh, I heard Abreu doesn't like him. You know, people would say that, even though I don't know if it's true. But ask Yasmani, ask Yaz what what he thinks about Yasiel Puig on your ball club. And I think that's the one guy you ask. You know, he's played with them, so he knows the whole story, and he's he's a leader. So I think you go he's to him. Cuban too. Exactly, you go to him and, and find out. You know, get the little the scouting report on Puig from from Yaz. So I, I think that that would be great. An extra twenty twenty five home runs uh, on your team let's go i think i think we're rolling with that yeah and so it builds up his uh market for next year too if he can show he can play on a team that's going to be winning a championship from uh third place into first place which i still believe we can do as the white Sox, even though the twins have gotten better with donaldson and kenta maeda i think those bitches are ready to for a fall this year (laughs) i hate them i hate them with the passion because Twins fans be acting like they've been winning championships every damn year. And they're acting like we're soft. Man, I hate Twins fans. I need to go into the next question. <laughs> well, the, 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 twi- uh, the Twins play in the let's, use, let's lose to the Yankees Invitational every year. So <laughs> Every single year. And they got their chest all puffed out like they've been winning 16 consecutive AL Central championships. Get out of here with that trash, Twins fans. Come on. <laughs> Man, I want them to. I, I said it on air today that my rankings of. AL Central hatred starts with the Royals. The Twins are catching up. Then the Indians. And I have zero hatred for the Detroit Tigers, which is weird. But Miggy Cabrera is just that great. Yeah. He's kind of been everything. He's been the face of that franchise. Like, and even with their utter dominance uh, over the White Sox over the past decade or so, like, I'll think of like the 2010s as the year the Tigers dominated the Sox with Miguel Cabrera and Victor Martinez. I don't really hate them because Miguel Cabrera is an all time great. And, you know, I I don't mind watching watching greatness, especially the way he kind of carried himself. But yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, you and Tim Anderson, about the Royals. I just want to whoop them every time, (laughs) Flam. Whoop them every Every time, as far as I'm concerned, so you know, uh, yeah, and and I mean, th- that's a big leap for me to not hate the Tigers anymore because you remember Robert Fick and that whole fight they had that solidified. I was there. The White Sox, the White Sox team in 2000. Mercy, I tell you what, you were there. Uh, yeah, me and my dad were there. Yeah, we were like not like four or five rows back on third base side. Saw pretty much the whole thing as it transpired. Saw. Uh, Bobby Howery, you know, yelling into the dugout it was great. You got to see, it was the perfect vantage point for that. It was a great day at the old yeah, ball yard. There's, there's <laughs> other jerks in toy. There was like Bobby Higginson was being a jerk that game. Yeah, uh, Todd Jones, I believe. So and I hated the Tigers way yeah. back then. Then they got Miggy. I was like, all right, we're cool. We're yeah, I, I remember I love it, you guys now. In, that, in that fight, the big peacemakers, Juan Gonzalez and Frank Thomas, <laughs> the biggest guys on the diamond, oh, yeah. of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. No one to fuck with those guys. Yes, exactly. There was no, no cheap shots on Big Frank because uh, hell would have been released that day. On to the next email. We got a question from Matthew Povolitis. I hope I'm saying your name correctly, Matthew. He uh, initially starts off with an offer for, as he became a new season ticket holder, he says that he could uh, provide us tickets. And we appreciate that, Matthew. You know, But enjoy your tickets, my man. You earned them and you bought them, so I, we appreciate the offer. But we're going to be at the ballpark all the time. We'll, we'll uh, drink a beer or two with you. No doubt. But then he also wonders... 
the extent of how me and you, Tanny, became friends at the score. How long have you guys known each other? Always definitely enjoy the two-man show more. Props to you both for the great work you both done at the score and do on the podcast. Keep it up. That's from Matthew Povilitis, I think it is. But uh, we met at the station. We were both part-time guys, right? Yeah. I, uh, I, I started interning in like mm, April, May of 2007. And okay. so I got hired in November that same year. So I was kicking around, doing a lot of nights. You know, I didn't see you a lot in the evening because you know, I was working with Jay Zawoski. Uh, he, of course, of uh, Locked On Hawks and Tim Bach. You know, we were doing Sox games at night. So I didn't see a lot of people because I was there mostly at night. And you, I, you were kind of floating around during the daytime, right? Like filling in for Dan and Terry and things like that, producing that show. Yeah. Yeah. Molly and Hanley and things like that until I got switched to nights at, let's see, I came back to the score in 2005, and eventually they shifted me to nights probably, it was between me and you, which is weird, that's the weirdest job, for a board op job. In 2012, I got that job over tanning, which is the worst thing in the world for people to do, but I think Mitch knew that the job that Jason was doing on the Boars and Bernstein uh, show was coming up, so Tanny would be a better fit for that. I know that, like, at that time, I was like, man, I don't know how I got the job, but I'm going to take it. They hired three people, three people that were not as good as Tanny. It was me, Nick Shepkowski, and was it Craig Miller or Adam Harris? I think it was Craig. Hired. I think it was Craig at that time. But either way, it all it all worked out. Like, I, I'm, still, yeah. I'm still holding down the same uh, time slot in the afternoon. So it all worked out for me. And, of course, we all know the history with the, with Dan and Terry there at Boars and Bernstein show. Um, no regrets whatsoever. I, I gained a lot of perspective during that time in, in my life, watching the 2012 White Sox and, and that lead kind of, you know, dwindle away. You know, I was, I was doing games on the weekends and, you know, messing around with another job so that that was a, I, I look back at that time positively other than the uh, 2012 White Sox season but yeah I think we started um to become friends like when we were doing Sox games together we were we were the guys at yeah. night once I got hired and you know we've seen more Sox games me and you like combined hours more yes. than I think anyone in our industry and we've we've seen a lot of highs and like like all the bad games you remember, you're thinking about that you that you tuned out after like the fifth them. inning. Yeah, we we were there for yeah. all nine innings with the post game. Mm-hmm. Yes, and all your calls in the post game, and Ronji being mad at you guys, you guys blaming Matt Thorne for another loss. Yeah, we listen. We watched every one of those games, but I wanted to say that the the rare distinction that Tanny has over everybody, he is the only person that was on the staff for both of the games that were perfect games on the score. So he was with Joe Ostrowski during the Mark Burley perfect game on that Thursday afternoon. And he was with me on the Philip Umber on Saturday afternoon at your cellular field. Um, the story right. on that, of course, guys, the reason why you don't hear the mess up and the, and any of the Philip Umber radio calls, it's because Chris Tannehill is good at his job. He, uh, Ed Farmer, after that whole um, strikeout by Brendan Ryan, said, Philip Umber's throwing a perfect game here at U.S. Cellular Field. <laughs> and then 
Clint, Chris, I mean, you could tell the story. You yeah, I mean, pretty much did it. So yeah, there's a way to I still was make the it. Board, he was doing the highlights. Yeah, I was doing the highlights. So there's a way to still make it. You know, no. Let's be honest. Like at that time, you know, I, I don't know what our audience was, our listening audience, but it was one of those things where on a typical Saturday middle game in the middle of the year, like there's not a lot of people were checking us out that day. So you know, it's you could still make the final call. You know, you could still encapsulate it without, you know, I could take out Ed's error in the final call. And so when the Associated Press asked me to send him the final call, I took it out. I thought we we did. Our guy Farmio was solid. But then I asked, mm-hmm. everyone has access to the raw feed just like we do. Like if you're pulling it like from MLB.com stream, everyone gets the same stream. So when SportsCenter picked up the feed, they picked up the feed and they chose to uh, not uh, – edit out the uh, the incorrect ballpark so that's when it kind of uh it took on a life of its own and then we were playing it on the station and farmer to his credit he went on and and made fun of himself for it but yeah it's people still talk about that to this day but not if it were up to me if it were up to me no one would even know it ever happened so but that was a weird day that perfect game i don't remember many details about that game other than it was on fox that day and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a particularly memorable game, like not like the Burley game where I remember everything about it. And I have like a great box score that I have framed in, in my house. I've got Farmer's box score, but I don't remember much about that Umber game other than you were playing Seattle music uh, into every inning because you're superstitious yeah, like right. that. And, it's, and basically, you should get credit for the perfect game more so than Philip Umber. <laughs> oh, I you know me I, after a while, I'm superstitious. So I was like finding groups. I was like, oh, uh, Ariam was from Seattle or something like that. I was like, uh, this group comes together. Okay, let's play it. And so, yeah, it was a great day. I don't remember much. I don't know who hit home runs that day. I don't recall who did anything. I know AJ was the catcher on that day because I remember him getting a hard time from Burley not being the catcher on the perfect game. It was a Ramon Cast- Castro or Castro, like yep. Yep, you got it. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember him being very like, "Hey, uh, I threw a perfect game and you weren't the, the catcher." Ha ha ha. And I remember Umber. And that by the way, that Brendan Ryan thing, that was not a swing at all. <laughs> Looking I, back. I, I haven't looked back I at that play in years. <laughs> at, at live, I was like, "Oh, he didn't see. He, he messed it up. He walked him." But yeah, luckily Brendan Ryan was too busy arguing the call instead of hustling down the first. And Philip Umber, I mean, that was the beginning of the end of his career. Like all White Sox seasons, once you throw a perfect game, the team is going to suck right after it. Yeah, we want to avoid those. I always thought we would get at least one no-hitter from Chris Sale in his time here, but but we never did. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't thrown one uh, in his, in his uh, well, I was going to say young career, but he's been around the block for, for a while now. But I thought for sure we would get multiple Chris Sale no hitters. I thought we'd get one from Q uh, before he departed to the uh, to the north side, but you know that's how it goes sometimes. Um, what do you say we wrap up? We got one more here that I'll that I'll take. This one was from Twit yeah. from Twitter. I got earlier today, and again you can you can tweet us at Locked On Socks or email us LockedOnSocks at gmail.com for our mailbag segment. We're gonna try to do one uh, a week and get out there and answer your questions. This one is from Mister Pouty Pants, aka Nate. I know it's crazy, but is there any reason the Sox should call about either Bryant or Arenado? Um, thank you, Nate. Thank you, Mr. Pouty Pants, Mr. Pouty Pants, for the uh, for the question today. And this kind of this is kind of crazy because this week 
um, in the middle of the week, we kind of got that Nolan Arenado uh, fake tweet. And this is kind of this is crazy, but their MLB Intel just tweeted right now. Um, Jennifer Lopez is considering leaving a rod for me. Wow. I, I've got to verify that one, but MLB <laughs> Intel is, is on a roll this week, but yeah, the, the fake Nolan Arenado trade reports. On that one. Yeah. I mean, that this says what she's thinking. I don't I know what I'm thinking. So, but, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, the Nolan Arenado fake trade stuff, I didn't really buy it for a second. I think it was Patrick Nolan uh, who had the best tweet kind of uh, summarizing that that tweet when he's like, oh, I can totally see why the uh, the Sox would trade for Arenado. They they're in a one year window. They have a gaping hole at third base. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like it didn't make any and sense. Then people took then people took that literally and like, oh, I don't know, no, I'm <laughs> here. I was like, oh my god. Now having understand, s- yeah. Having said that though, um, Nate asked, is there any reason reason why they what you know why they should call? Um, yes, you should always call, especially now uh, you, you see what Mookie Betts went for. And I, you know, you could put a gun to my head and I wouldn't be able to tell you what, what he went for exactly. Cause there's so many guys going different places on that one, but you always make the call and see if you can get better and see if, uh, if a team's willing to unload a guy, you know, for, for, for less than they had hoped, especially with Chris Bryant, a guy with two years left. And that's a guy that solves your right field problem for the White Sox, but I, they just don't have the the prospect equity in my opinion to get a deal like that done but that's why you make the call right you always have to make the call and see what they're thinking about see what prospects they want back from the white Sox. and if it's just and i'm saying just if chris bryant with two years left on his deal and they're saying hey run us magical and vaughn i'm i'm not hanging the phone up immediately let's say that because you're in a short window, four years. This is what you have. Yohan Mankata's on this team for four more years. Same thing with Lucas Giolito. To have two of those years be a right fielder of Chris Bryant's stature, baby, let's go. We have to think about that. And Nolan Aronado, also at third base, putting Yohan back at second. You got to think about if it's just going to cost you prospects. And if it, um, if it, if it fails miserably. I, you need it- the strike. Yeah, if it fail, you know, every year in baseball is sacred, and if you got a team like they're built to to win games finally this year, they're built for a, a run and a wild card or possibly even a, a division title. Every year is sacred. You have to take advantage of that. And I know we've all, we all want su- sustained success, but I think they've got their core in place, right? I think they've got Robert and Moncada, and they've got the core there. And with Giolito, they, they, Eloy. They, yeah, Eloy, they got a strong core. And I think you have to explore the option. And then I think if, if this year is a disaster or if someone gets hurt or next year starts off terribly, you can you can always flip a guy like like Chris Bryant as he heads into his uh, into his uh, free agency. So, that, yeah, I think you always have to make the call. But, yeah, I think that about does I, it. I 100 I, percent I agree. And one thing I want to say is J.D. Martinez is very upset. I saw those Boston. tweets. Yeah. He tweeted two frown face emojis uh, earlier this evening, I believe, after the bets trade was finalized. Yep. Yeah. He's not happy out there. So, you know, if they give up bets for very little things, it was what? One of their top prospects, Peter Downs and um, Alex Verdugo, doesn't seem that much. If you want to run J.D. Martinez with his money, come on through. We'll give you a low level. We'll give you Stever. Come on. You want, you want some more pitching? You want some young pitching? Stever will be good for you. Give you Dayton Dunning. Run J.D. Martinez here. And man, 
we would hit all the home runs. To do what? To Moss play to runs. play right field? Yeah, I don't care. Play right field, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be great, but like, is no one Mazar that much better of a right field than JD Martinez? Well, yeah that that would that would Not be really. up, that would be up to him. Like, at his in his this point in his career, if he still has any interest at all in playing right field, it could be a non-starter for him. Like, nope, I'm a DH now, and that's that. So, well, we yeah. already got a DH, so I'm sorry, <laughs> right. brother. We got exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's not, I mean, it's. And by that time, it's negligible. Uh, I mean, J.D. Martinez is a better D.H. and better hitter than Edwin Encarnacion at this point of his career. But it's not that big of a hole or gap where you're like, okay, Edwin, grab a glove to play first. Well, plus, would have way too many teachers. Well, plus, Edwin has the parrot. So, for me, that, that makes him untradeable. You can't, you can't move him. He's got this parrot. I've been waiting so long <laughs> for him to bring the parrot to the south side. And we finally get to see it. I'm looking forward to it. 35 times this year. It's going to be a great time for White Sox baseball. And that will do it for our mailbag segment. We appreciate every one of you guys listening to us. And if you have a question for Tanya and I, it can be about the White Sox. It could be about life in general. Send it to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. That's LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Anything you want to add, Tanya no, uh, thanks for everyone for the uh, initial support. As we get closer to spring training, this should be a really fun team to talk about this year. And speaking of spring training, this week, pitchers and catchers report. I know it doesn't mean as much as it used to in the days back uh, when we were growing up, but because a lot of the guys who are hitters are already there because they're excited for this White Sox team. And you should be excited too. go down to Arizona this year and watch a couple games of the White Sox. Glendale, Arizona, they house the White Sox and the L.A. Dodgers, who got really good today with Mookie Betts going on their team. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training to plan your trip to go and see the White Sox. And there's many things to do. Restaurants down there are great. The outdoors are second to none. Warm weather. You're Right now here in Chicago, it's snow today. It's kind of cold again. It wasn't. It hasn't been a horrible winter, but this February has been hard on us. What better thing to do is to get some Arizona sun on your body and feel uh, that or hear that crack of the bat for the first time. Tanny, I know you love the crack of the bat. No, who doesn't? It's one of the favorite things in the world. I, I could sit back and just and listen to I, – I need to pump in like – ambient ballpark sound into to my headset at night when I'm going to sleep. I can just listen to that all night long. It, it puts me in a happy place. And then especially a little, we all need a little sun. I don't know when's the last time we, we had sun around here, but yeah, we, yeah, we, we could all use some of it. I had a long streak of sunless days up here in, in Chicago. That's sad. That seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. I, I understood that when I moved to San Diego where it's sunny every day, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm very happy out here. There's, Ball players everywhere. So, you know, Jake Peavy throws a whole, like, a concert for people. They go to the local restaurants that you go to. They're down there in Scottsdale. They're down there in Phoenix and the areas that you're going to be congregating at, the restaurants you're going to be at, the bars you're going to be at. And they're so personable when they're out there in spring training. Get a couple autographs. Bring your kids to the games. It's uh, a very fun experience. I don't have any kids, but I can imagine – when I did go to the games, I know those players, especially when they get done with their work at third, fourth inning, they just take their laps, they do their extra work, and then they go and sign for the kids. Or you can go back to the B fields and see them play extended spring training in the back 
where a guy's trying to get some more work in, Michael Kopech or uh, lesser uh, Carlos Rodon or Dane Dunning trying to get some some throws in. So visit Arizona.com slash spring training is the way that you plan your Arizona trip today. All right, I think that does it for this week's edition of Locked on Sox. It will, we'll be back a few times this week, and uh, we have a lot of things to talk about. I want to talk about the uh, Sox cap, the spring training cap, speaking of spring training, and then the, the, and then the Sox cap with the, uh, with the pizza on it. I'm, we're going to brainstorm some things that they can put on a cap instead of a deep dish pizza. So it should be a fun week. But, yeah, we, we need to get baseball started already. Oh, it's so it's so wanting to have something. I was sitting the other day just watching Eloy highlights, then I watched Yoan highlights, then I watched Nicarcion highlights on YouTube. It needs to hear like when pitchers and catchers report, and then you hear crack, crack, and you hear that different sound come off Eloy's bat. That different sound come off of Yoan's bat. You're like, man, baseball's about to start. And before you know it, March 26th will be here. We'll be celebrating at U.S. Southern Field or Guaranteed Rate Field versus the Kansas City Royals. No doubt. All right, Herbie, I will, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. And uh, thanks again for listening to Locked on Socks.